this is Dave Byer for The Reluctant Agilist. You're about to listen to my interview with Murchi Reyes, and that's his music you were just listening to right before the podcast kicked off. Murchi is somebody who's currently working as a product owner and a scrum master, and the reason that we're doing the interview is sort of in response to something that happens in class all the time. It gets students who want to break into their first job as a scrum master or a product owner, and they can't figure out how. They can't figure out how the work experience they have had in their life is something that could be valuable in either one of those roles. Murchi is somebody with a very odd path that led him from being a young man into being a product owner and a scrum master. And one of the things that's so inspiring to me is in talking to him about his work history, um, we kind of dug into how each job he had offered him something that he was able to bring to the table, something that helps him now in the work that he's doing. So I hope that when you listen to it, you'll get some inspiration. I hope maybe it'll help you figure out how you can look back at your own work history and find the little nuggets that you're going to be able to use to help you in your next interview or tell a story when you're talking to somebody about a new gig um, or just talking with your teams. Um, he's a really interesting guy. I hope you enjoy the interview. I hope you enjoy the music too. And if you'd like to reach out to Murchie to pick up some of his music or to reach out to him and ask him questions about how he's done these amazing things, um, there's contact information provided in the show notes and also at the end of the podcast. So without further ado, here's my interview with Murchie Reyes. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to The Reluctant Agilist. Today, we're going to talk about something that a lot of people bring up in class. Nobody ever has a really good answer to it, and I'm hoping that we can learn some lessons from the person that we're going to be talking to about it. So, Murchie Reyes, thank you for taking time out of your night. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to, it's good to be here. It's good to connect with you here. Dave. Yeah, we've been trying. We've, we've had to reschedule this one a couple of times, so I'm really psyched that, that we're going to be able to talk through this. So, um, you come from a background that is not like a straight line from whatever you learned in school into the role that you have now. So that's the thing that we're going to try to explore. But can we first start out with the job that you do? What is the job that you're doing right now? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, and uh, yes, again, great to connect with you, Dave. Uh, so the the role that I'm in uh, is is a customer facing really project uh, management role. So um, you know, typically a program manager would be an internal um, uh, project manager. And and for me, I, I really I jump on projects and and help customer realize their their business um, and technical outcomes. And, and really tend to use a variety of agile you know, frameworks to help drive those outcomes home for the customer. Okay, and so you're working in a consulting model. That's correct, yep. Okay, so you've got a long list of certifications. Can you, can you run some of those down for me? Just so people have some sense of your breadth of knowledge with this stuff. Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, team Kanban practitioner as one there, uh, certified uh, Scrum product owner, got the uh, CSM, ACSM, um, or Certified Scrum Master and Advanced Certified Scrum Master, and uh, Certified Safe 5.0 Agilist as well on the delivery side. I've got some other technical uh, certifications that I could run through, but keep them delivery focused if that's okay. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And you, any for those of you listening, he works at a very large company that you know the name of, but we're not going to say the name. Um, so <laughs> it was subtle <laughs> enough, I guess. Um, so you started out when we were talking about this stuff in class. One of the things that I thought was so fascinating was your background is not one that would seem to point towards project manager. And we have some similar background things that are music related, but. I get all these questions from people that start out by saying like, I don't have any background in this stuff. Like, how do I get a job? 
So I'm hoping we can talk about that. But first, what is your what is your history like? What's the the journey of you from, you know, whatever you were doing when you got out of school to what you're doing now? So uh, my background, definitely, as you mentioned, I think what you're alluding to makes sense. Uh, my career has been far from you know linear, and uh, I have had a variety of experiences. Uh, one of which, kind of starting off as in uh, kind of junior sales, and uh, B2B sales, which transitioned into some experiential marketing, uh, which then led me to some freelance event management and really an entertainer of sorts, right? So I would work with a variety of clients, some of those in food and beverage, uh, large agriculture and natural resourcing companies, hardware technology like Motorola. And my job was to, you know, jump in as a independent contractor and uh, and work with a variety of stakeholders and and help bring a different side to the experiential kind of marketing, guerrilla marketing. Um, I mean, I've done things like there, there was an aggressive Wrigley's campaign a few years ago. Well, wow, a few years ago, probably about 15 or 16 years ago, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's not a few years ago. That's quite some time ago where I was actually standing at, at I was following Lollapaloozas around and I would stand on top of a Winterfresh uh, Wrigley's van and I would MC and hype up a crowd around, you know, Wrigley's new product. So just to give you a little bit of background there and, uh, and if I just kind of continue on there, Dave, I, I did, um, eventually I kind of took some of that experience and, and I decided I wanted to go into business with myself. Um, uh, side by side to that, I, I became a music producer. So, uh, you know, the excitement of kind of the freelance event management and the entertainment side, I was like, oh, hey, you know, I kind of want to get into some music production. And I became a touring DJ. And uh, I created this uh, company called Kitsadek Entertainment. And what we did was we would book various musical artists um, uh, for venues across the mid-Atlantic, you know, some in Vegas at some events uh, like South by Southwest in Texas. And we would work with uh, Miami Music Week. So it was really just a, a business based on uh, strategic partnerships. Um, and, uh, and that was really kind of where I was at right before I, I, uh, I, I, I rolled up to the position that I'm in now. So you're standing on top of the van, talking about gum, you become a DJ, and then you're like, screw this, I want to be a project manager. <laughs> in so many, maybe not in so many words. So kind of what... <laughs> Uh, I'm laughing because the way that you said it is hilarious. Um, but in the organization that I, or the company that I own, uh, Kidsedek Entertainment, what what I was doing was really managing projects, right? Um, it was just, it looked, it was framed very differently, right? Okay. So in, instead of it being uh, executing, you know, execution of strategy in IT and uh, realizing business and technical outcomes in this IT space, here I am in the music industry, and my stakeholders in the in the in the music and entertainment industry are large promoters, um, club owners, uh, like nightclub owners. And what they're what we're doing is we have a, a budget, let's say, of 400, 500k, and they're like, hey, you have connections. Um, let's get some A-list, B-list celebrities and try to pack the house out here. Does, does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, it totally does. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's always funny to me when people make this switch and it's like, okay, so you're touring around with the bands, <laughs> you're in the clubs every night and you're like, yeah, you know, I'd really rather have a job where I'm constantly saddled with impossible projects and blamed for things I can't control. And I'd like to be stressed out all the time. That would be a great career choice for me right now. 
Uh, I made the same one, so <laughs> it's it's. But it's always it's just weird. So the the thing that I want to uh, thank you for sharing that stuff. Um, sure. Now and also, I guess we should. I want to hit on one other thing. When we met, when you first came to class, you were working in recruiting. Yes, I, I did forget a couple different parts, right? So I kind of saved the best for last, right? So, but right before, <laughs> right before I jumped into the recruiting role at the same organization uh, that I'm in currently uh, delivering projects, I actually, right before that, I had another kind of strange kind of piece of the puzzle, right? And we'll call it strange. I call it normal because that's just the way I think. But I actually became a foreman. I was, there was an 18-month period where I got a commercial driver's license, Dave, and I ended up uh, learning how to cut trees, take down large trees near uh, power lines, and I was doing lots of emergency work working for a, uh, a power company um, in uh, traveling you know, in the mid-Atlantic doing that for about 18 months. And uh, I, I have actually had a really good friend of mine that worked at this, uh, the organization that I work at now, and he kind of knew me and knew my background and, and just kind of knew that uh, uh, I have a unique ability to really just connect with people across distinct like markets and stuff. Right. So he was like, listen, why don't you get your foot in the door at this organization? And recruiting is a great way to do that. Right. So really, you know, on the recruiting side, really kind of more of an administrative role. And again, to your point, Dave, it wasn't like I was like, all right, you know, like I'm ready to just jump in and become a project manager. I think um, <laughs> you were uh, like, I want to leave these clubs and go work with the wood chipper for yeah, a while yeah. and then become a project manager. I wanted to take a quick break. <laughs> right. And, uh, and a hiatus from the, you know, being uh, working for myself and um, and and really was indecisive. I, I wasn't really necessarily sure what I wanted to do, where I wanted to work. I definitely knew that I wanted to be in a culture that will support, you know, um, you know, the growth and innovation that I'm looking to, you know, to, to kind of have and um, and some of the goals that I had for myself um, weren't 100% clear, right? So I needed some time. I think that that reset, right, in the trees, right, yeah. in a 75 foot <laughs> yeah. bucket truck. I had to take some time away from the the madness, right? I mean, and I think that you could probably say the same in the mu in the entertainment yeah. industry and in music. For myself, I'll speak for myself. It it it, it can become very exhausting, um, and I think that uh, I, I reached a point where I I knew I needed something different, and I just I didn't want to jump in head first into some corporation or some organization that I wasn't necessarily aligned to their vision or or, or really the mission. Yeah, it's it's. I talked to somebody else recently in a class who'd come out of TV, um, reality TV, and I could tell just by we had like a short conversation about it afterwards. And it's always like you can tell the people that we worked in entertainment, and then and it was like I can't, I gotta go. <laughs> it's like you have to go and and take that job where you're just gonna like yeah, I'm just gonna put boxes together for a little while until I feel normal again. And you start to talk about it. And it's like, we can talk about this for a couple minutes, but then your eyes are going to start to well up and you're going to have to stop. So we're just going to leave that alone. Um, so you take this recovery gig and then you move into this thing we're recruiting, which seems like a natural fit because you're such a people person. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's, I think that's kind of part of that, you know, sticking to that narrative in, you know, in my mind, as I, I just kind of describe it to, you know, my friends and, and my colleagues is having that ability to just connect with people uh, across, you know, different walks of life, uh, different styles of communication, different disc profile, you know, different personalities and just blending and meshing in, right? And just kind of adapting. 
So these people skills, I mean, it seems like a natural flow moving into consulting, but can you comment on how, I mean, is there a difference for, for you from how your people skills were valuable in recruiting and to how you're using them now when you're working with clients? Is it the same thing or is it different? I would, I would venture to say it's actually the same experience working, you know, coming from the recruiting environment and working on the, you know, client facing side now. And so, you know, being back in the back of the house, it was a little bit different as like my clients were really more of our candidates, right. And working with customers and, and driving these projects uh, to towards those business outcomes and, and the communication I think it's really the same kind of underlying principles, right? Like the the way that I communicate with folks hasn't really changed throughout the years. Now, there's a little okay. bit more strategy behind uh, delivering an IT, you know, project and and when knowing when to leverage, you know, the right uh, folks, right, into a conversation or knowing when to include or not include someone, right? So we can protect the team and that sort of thing. But that's that's another discussion. But th- does that make sense, Dave? It does. And the way that you just said that made me think of something I want to ask about now. So you've talked about being a DJ. You've talked about knowing when to bring different people in, you know, like into the mix. Like, Are there parallels in your head between I'm going to bring this track in now because it's going to keep things flowing and I'm going to bring this person into the meeting now or into the conversation now? That's actually an awesome way to look at it. And I actually really, <laughs> I don't think I've really ever thought about it like that. Cause I think, uh, and maybe that has a lot to do with, right. So in the beginning, if I use this, right, like DJing in the beginning and, and, and if there's any folks out there listening that have ever even attempted to, to blend two different records, it takes some time before your, my, it took some time for me before my ears learned to kind of do the natural, you know, understand where the snare is on one record yeah. and the snare is on another record, right? And to blend those beats. Now, it, working with customers, um, that is, I think, part of where in my mind, it, I just look at it and, and I'm learning, right? But I'm looking at it in a way where I'm like, okay. So if I'm working with a client uh, and they, they need a consultant that has some sort of specific skill set, I, I have to kind of take a look at financials and, and ensure that it's aligned and, and also take a look at the scope, right? And, and ensure that it makes sense for the overall you know, goal or the overall uh, initiative that we're looking to achieve within the time frame, right? So uh, I, I would venture to say that the DJing kind of, you know, that, that whole metaphor you threw out there actually is kind of aligned there. So it's it's interesting to me because I always think of it like playing music. Um, you know, you, I, I want to jam with people and see where it goes. And I've got a friend who teaches, and when he teaches, he says he wants it to be like like an orchestra. Like everybody's got their parts, all the music's laid out. We know exactly what's going to happen when. And I'm very much like, let's just start, <laughs> see where it goes. <laughs> um, but I think having when you get to a point where you have that kind of metaphor that you can bring from another part of your life into the work that you're doing. It's like layers upon layers of how you see things. And to me, it makes it a lot more fun and I guess maybe a lot more challenging too. Um, What about the people part of it? Is that something that's always been like a skill that you possessed or did you have to learn to work the room that way? And I could speak to maybe, you know, the facilitation and uh, of the meetings with customers and that sort of thing. I think from that aspect, uh, there's still room for growth and and learning. Right. Uh, But as far as work, I think experience uh, over time working uh, for the past, you know, over 15 years with uh, 
different kinds of personalities and stakeholders, right? You know, depending on uh, understanding kind of, you know, what's driving or what's motivating someone, right? In a, if it's a PM or a project manager, or if it's, you know, a product owner and, or if it's a CIO, right? Like understanding what is important to communicate to those folks and when it, it helps me to, to ensure that I can be more concise when I'm having those important discussions or those uncomfortable conversations. Does that make sense, Dave? It totally makes sense. I'm, I'm just wondering if like when you're in a room of executives, um, are you, do you pay a lot of attention to sort of the energy level in the room and how you can manipulate that and bring it up or bring it down to sort of bring it to a conclusion or whatever place you're trying to get to during the meeting? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that this is uh, this is something that I would definitely say that it, it's almost that same art of DJing, right? Because a DJ has the ability to walk into a room um, and create a vibe, right? And they're also able to understand, like I'm able to understand, like, oh, okay, if I play, you know, X Y Z song some this might capture you know make a few people moving in the room right now from the perspective of an it side right or these uh consulting meetings if i'm sitting in the room i can just tell right like okay things might be getting dull maybe folks might need a break or maybe we might need to ask some more clarifying questions but i think that that comes with being uh, you know some some eq being able to to read a room and just to really say, hey, okay, we might need to pivot from an agenda if if things are have gotten a little dull. Okay. Now, is, is emotional intelligence something you've studied, or is that just stuff you picked up on the streets, kind of learning to do your craft? So I went to college for e- emotional intelligence. Uh, no, wow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure I, you can probably do that now. <laughs> I'm sure it's possible. No, I, I think, you know, over time, and, and again, in, in I, I kind of – live my life by this underlying principle of understand rather than be understood, right? So like whenever I get lost in, I call it the sauce, but lost in translation and maybe uh, I might need some clarity in an area or I'm just not understanding um, uh, someone's position, right? I, I, I take a deep breath and I say, you know, like, let me understand. And, and I say that out loud sometimes in meetings, right? Uh, help me understand uh, uh, what what you need, and I'm here to listen, right? And I think that 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 plays a a big part in in EQ wise is being a good listener, um, and learning that just through you know seeing you know if if someone's not like my friends, right? Like sometimes I I could just tell you know if someone's not in a in a great mood now. Yeah. Where I don't think I read about that necessarily anywhere, um, but yeah, I think that that. Uh, I think some people have some some mixed thoughts on you know EQ, uh, and I do read quite a bit, uh, not necessarily on EQ, but just in general. And this day and age, there's quite a bit of information floating around, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I guess I always feel like that is something that you can read about all day long, but if you don't have that, that's um, a really hard. That must be a very difficult skill to develop. It's just, I mean, building on it, tuning it. That, yes, but getting, if you don't have it at all, it's got to be a really hard thing to pick up. Um, I mean, I would say it's probably easier to learn about different agile practices and about project management than it would be to learn how to look at somebody and tell what's going on just by looking at them. 
Right, and and tr and removing the bias, right? Because that's the I yeah. think that's the important part is understanding that you know we're naturally humans are subjective, and and the more that I I can kind of train myself up to you know, and and there's trainings you know to to that I can take to help remove bias or understand if I'm making a decision that's not data driven. I think that's important as well. So it does require some willingness, right? Like you know, to say, hey, I have, uh, you know, high EQ, that's like one thing, right? Uh, but there are, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of the uh, the book I read recently, they had an EQ test in it. I'm not sure if you know it, Dave. Um, but there's like tests and stuff the, you can take. And Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book has, that's, they have a test in it. That's, I think that's exactly what I read. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's exactly it. Yep. Um, so there's, there's books and, and stuff to read, but I, I think it might come naturally for, for some more than others, but I think with a mentor, anything's possible and some willingness. So I'm, I want to ask one more thing about the music business and then I'm going to shift to something probably more embarrassing, but, um, I'm assuming that when you started DJing, there were a couple of gigs here and there where you just like completely crapped the bed and oh, yeah. sort of that moment like when when the the drummer threw the cymbal at charlie parker and it's just like oh my god um <laughs> if that happened did that happen for you and if so how does that inform your ability to be courageous now in these projects where you're working with customers and you're thrown into situations with very little information you don't understand there's a high chance of failure and a big risk for that as well Oh wow, that's like that's a great that's a great question. Uh, and as far as when I was, I, I had so many moments when I first set out to be a DJ, and I it's just uh, my hands are shaking and I'm in <laughs> fear. And you know, uh, I actually did learn with uh, the, what we call you know Technique Twelve Hundreds just turntables, right? Two turntables. Oh, wow. And, you played re actual records. Awesome. I did. I did. And then uh, it evolved into a program that did have control records. That Use the, the crayons and everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually just used it, you know, um, I could use 45s. Okay. Yeah. And um, so uh, I, I do remember I was, at, this was actually a house party, so this is hilarious, but we had a, a refrigerator, you know, turned on its side and um, it's a pretty busy party. And, and I, somehow I hit the, you know, the needle, the turntable has like a needle and that plays the records. Uh, that's the signal for the record. For you and, young uh, people who don't remember. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. In case you're out <laughs> you there. If you, you don't have a hipster around <laughs> to show you what a record player is. <laughs> and, uh, and I, and I basically, uh, I don't know if it was nerves or what it was, but the music stopped. And it, to me, it was like the end of the world. Right. And to other, you know, for everyone else, they were probably just like, I just want to hear the song, right? So they weren't going, <laughs> my reality is very different than they, than everyone else's, right? And I think that that same thing applies to me today, right? Because I do exactly what you described, Dave. Every, you know, there's, there's weeks that are, you know, I think more challenging than others, but I think there are moments where I, you know, things might be very ambiguous and I'm like, hmm, I'm not necessarily 100% confident that the decision that I think makes the most sense to make is going to help either add value directly or unblock this team or whatever the situation may be. Uh, and if it's, you know, time sensitive, then I, I just have to make that decision, right? I can't just be paralyzed in that fear. So 
the point I'm, I'm driving at is, is really taking that risk. It's important, right? Like I was frightened to DJ that day and there was other in nightclubs that that happened, right? Where yeah. in the beginning I was like, oh my goodness, it's over for me. And it's not right. Like it's just going to be another learning experience. And, and while I'm going through it, it, it might be tougher to see it, but it, it's just going to make me a better person and, and be more resilient over time. Yeah. Right. And that's going to get you to an even bigger failure later on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So yeah. I want to ask you a question about bias. You were talking about removing um, your, the biases that you carry. And, and if you want me, well, I'm just going to ask the question. You, you have a fair amount of ink. And I'm wondering when you walk in a room, if, if, if that's something that you pick up on people looking at like, huh, and how do you overcome that? And the reason that I'm asking this question is because there's a lot of people that have imposter syndrome or whatever. Like they, they, they see people look at them and they interpret the gaze as meaning something that maybe it means and maybe it doesn't. But then they have to work past that and they have to build a different perception and they have to do it quickly. Um, so if you want me to pull the question, I can, but... Um, no, I think this is a great question. I okay. think... Um, I love talking about this, right? Because I think this has been a big fear for me. It was one of the first questions I asked you was, why does it say yeah. disco on your hand? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I think, it, and, and that's like, so if, if I could say this, right, uh, fear, that is something that everybody feels, right? Like, and, and whether uh, it's uh, a, a fear of, you know, what people might think of them or whatever it is, right? And just at a core level, we're all, we all have that, that emotion at some point. We feel it throughout the day or whatever it is, right? For me, I, thinking about coming out of the music or entertainment industry, right? Bruce is a great example. Uh, taking some time to, you know, kind of, I called it, you know, decompression and, and clear my mind in that uh, the role as a foreman uh, in cutting trees. Uh, and, and then my first interview, you know, with this, with the company I work for now. And even though I had some really close friends that work at this organization and in, in recruiting, and they would tell me, Hey, like, no one cares, like what your image is, you know, like you have a lot of tattoos and, and, uh, and that's fine, you know, be yourself, right? People saying all these things, but these were young I, people telling you that, right? It, right, exactly. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, you know, I have another group of friends that might work for it in, in another, you know, industry, and they might say, Hey, like, you can't actually work at my my company, right? So like, yeah. I I had these mixed messages and and in my mind, and so I I was actually that same kind of nervousness and fear that I described to you from that first DJ gig, was uh, it, I felt it when I interviewed for the recruiting role. I did what I did notice is that no, I mean people would look right because I mean I look when people have tattoos and stuff, yeah. right? Uh, but it wasn't something that uh, that changed. I didn't feel any weird vibe or anything like that, right? I'm not saying that doesn't that doesn't exist at my organization. I think that exists everywhere, right? I just think that 
not everyone's prepared for the, you know, what I might look like or what someone else might look like that has, it's covered in tattoos, right? Um, but uh, uh, if keeping the focus on kind of data and, and ensuring that I'm connecting with folks, like I talked about, right? Being able to connect across distinct markets and just being able to just understand, you know, the interviewer and have a good conversation. Once the first few minutes, kind of like DJ, right? Once you kind of get through that first few minutes or you have a big show or something, like you're good, right? Right? You kind of go into autopilot yeah. and you just start doing your your thing, you know? So it's it's interesting to me also because it's, I think of it now, and maybe I might have thought about it differently young when I was younger, but it sparks curiosity. Like when I saw your tattoos, I was like, what what's up? <laughs> I, I want to know the story. You're like, you what know? is this thing? No, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but whereas like when I was a kid, the only people that had tattoos were bikers. And it was just like, oh, scary people. We don't go near them. Um so it can open a door, but it also, I think it gives you something to like, it adds texture to the story. Cause it's not just like, here's somebody who's going to manage a project, but this person's got layers and background and stuff I want to know about. And for me, the whole job that you're doing, the job that I do, it's all about social engineering. And it's like, honey, it just pulls people in. If you can figure out how to use it, but if you're scared, nervous the whole time and that shows, then that makes it different. I think you have to find ways to like, do you have to like self-talk yourself into a place of comfort or you just start talking and get there? I, so I, the way that I explain it to people, cause it's funny that you asked this question cause I actually helped coach some people through this. Uh, and maybe it, it was, I was at an advantage because I was in the entertainment industry and I was very used to put, you know, I, I want to call, you know, consulting a performance, but really, you know, it is it, a performance. I, I, I look at, yeah. Right. Like, like I, like I would a lawyer, right? A yeah. lawyer, you know, performs they, in they, court. Yeah, they, they perform in court. Like we perform in front of customers. I perform in front of a classroom. Yep. And um, so I, I, the way that I like to explain it to people is, is just you know, do your preparation, prepare for your meeting, and then do your best, right? And and contribute. And I and I like to say to people, don't sit back. Like if you're in a meeting and you're not making a contribution, then why are you there? Like there should be something, some sort of a contribution. And, and that's the kind of perspective that I take. And I jump out there. I kind of stick my neck out there and I'm like, hey, here's where we are. Here's where we're looking to go. Do you have any feedback or thoughts? And let's work from there, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So you've got, you've got a broad range of experience. Um, you've had to deal a lot with people, creative people, different kinds of backgrounds. Um, I'm assuming that when you were doing the work with the trees that there's, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of personalities, different kinds of stress there as well. And each one of those gigs provides you with different elements that you can pull into the mix of what you have to use as a consultant. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, uh, and I, and I think that across, if I really think about it from a perspective of, um, you know, what, uh, are, are you speaking from like the, the aspect of like, are, how am I harnessing my chi? Like, well, sort of, yeah. I mean, I'm wondering if it's, <laughs> if it's a conscious choice, if you're like searching through stuff and thinking like, well, I had this thing here and I had this other thing here. Um, I mean, I think about when, you know, when I worked for, uh, for, for Clive Davis, like all the lessons that I learned from just watching him and watching him interact with other people and how to say things to people in a way where even if he was delivering disappointing news, he was able to 
like put together a couple sentences that made you feel like this isn't the thing, but you're freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just like that is something that I'm like, man, I want to be better at that or um, working waiting tables and what that taught me about patience and serving the customer and how I can bring that into work that I do now. Um, is that a conscious thing for you or is that just muscle memory? I think it's more of muscle memory. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons why I, you know, came back and, and, and caught the, uh, the CSPO course with you, Dave, was because of your ability to put into words some of the things that I consider to be muscle memory. But I, I do find it, it could be more effective to, to, to be more intentional about some of my experience as I, as I kind of think about, you know, or, or am I, I'm kind of going through the day because what I do today is, is more of like, okay, this is a senior consultant and this is the way that I saw him, uh, you know, or him or her run this meeting, right? And then I'm, I'm one of those people that can just jump in and, and do, and just really uh, say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna give some, I'm gonna give a little bit of that a try with my own spin to it and kind of see the result there. And that's really how I've learned most of my, you know, my soft skills throughout the years is by watching some of the pros do do it, and then I I'll have at it, right? And and, and you, give it remi- a shot. you remix it. That's exactly it. There I, I want to use that that no, word. It's but, you know, since you used it's it, a, now it's perfect. great. Now <laughs> yeah. it's it's a perfect explanation of it. I mean, you're taking something and and turning it into something new, making it your own. Um, now we could just spend two hours talking about copyright law, and that would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what advice do you have for people that are moving towards becoming a project manager or a product owner or a scrum master who have had different kinds of experiences and feel like, I mean, it's to me when people say I don't have any experience in this, I always feel like saying like, you just don't see how the experiences fit. Right. Yeah. I think that um, number one is, uh, right you know set the goal i don't want i don't know how you know at a core you know level you want me to give this but i think that um having being intentional about where you know what kind of projects you might want to lead you know uh that was something that i started with for me and um i think it was important to just be confident and and rest assured that any experience that you have in any industry is definitely going to translate in a positive way in, into the new role as a project manager because experience is experience, right? And experience with people, um, whether or not you were, you know, they reported to you or you were their manager um, or you just worked side by side, you know, uh, whether you were in the restaurant. Um, you know, uh, bar in industry, like I, I wasn't in that, you know, on that side of things in the service industry, but no matter where you come from, there are some kind of nuggets, right, that you can take from those experiences. And, and for me, what those things are, you know, um, you know, like the ability to facilitate, right, or like uh, through this difficult discussions and just to help ensure that everyone has an opportunity to speak with each other, that, that, for me was huge when I owned my, um, you know, my entertainment company because artists like myself, you know, we can be kind of free spirited and very creative and people want to talk over each other sometimes. Right. So that's like a kind of like a natural cat herding ability that like, 
I was able to learn through this music experience, right? Yeah. And and uh, you know, kind of diving a little bit deeper, saying, okay, so what about customer service, right? So if you've done customer service in the past, then you can probably learn how to be a project manager, right? Because we want to be customer obsessed, and when you're doing customer service, although it may not be some super complex business and technical outcomes, you're still delivering some sort of a service, right? And they might be as simple as you know, I have this irate customer that is returning something, right? <laughs> I'm not sure, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but but learning how to just be neutral, right? Like, and say, let me, let me see how I can help you. Or I don't know the answer to that question. Let me find somebody that does. Like, that's some kind of consulting stuff there, right? So like, I didn't realize that. And, and when I started really thinking about, um, you know, or even data-driven decision-making, things like that, right? Like, um, if you, if you look for kind of some of these skills and then you look at your resume and say, I can find, you know, what relates or, you know, what's most relevant to like a project management role, you can probably cater any resume towards a job that you're looking to get. Might just take some, some work on telling the story, right? Yeah, I think that that's great. I mean, that, and I think that's a really big part of it. And if, you, if you're listening to this and it's not something that you're able to do on your own. It might be beneficial to have someone else help you. We one of the podcasts yeah. I did for Leading Agile one time, um, we had a guy in class who had done some really crazy military stuff, like Joint Forces stuff. And um, when he when he got out, he couldn't get a gig, and he was trying to just land a basic job as a project manager. And this guy would be like, "Yeah, I've I've built you know like airports in the middle of the night in like two hours notice in the middle of a storm, and then we took it down two hours later." But he couldn't figure out how to get a job as a project manager. And I'm like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" But it took sitting him down with somebody who had a military background, who was able to help him see how to tell the story, how to put the pieces together. Um, he got the job. Right the day after he had that phone call, he got a job. So I think that if you're having trouble seeing how your experience is relevant to what you're trying to do now, you might need somebody to help you see those connections. Yeah, I think that, and if I can add to that point, Dave, um, I think that it's a, for me and, and my, I think my, I had a couple pain points that we kind of talked through, right? The, the tattoo, like image, right? And yeah. like, uh, getting out of the the foreman role, which I did really well in, but I kind of reached the ceiling within 18 months of where, where I was going to get paid. And, you know, there was no real growth opportunity and, and I didn't want to work outside really. So <laughs> but there, there was a variety of things going on in my mind. Right. But, um, you know, that being said, you know, working with people, just like you mentioned, Dave, to like, you know, seek, seek some help and say, Hey, like, you know, here's all my experience and, and now I've got this recruiting coordinator role and, you know, job descriptions are one thing, right? When you look at like a role for a project manager, if you were to look at my role, you would be like, wow, like what exactly, how do I cater my resume towards this? Right. But it's really simple. Right. And if you break it down and like I did was just break it down into some key kind of, you know, what exactly is this role doing? Right. It's customer service, thought leadership, it's facilitating, it's data-driven decision-making and then getting some help telling that story that helped me build that confidence so that when I sat in that interview and got through my first initial sweaty kind of palms, you know, yeah, in the first yeah. minutes, then your natural instinct kicks in. Right. And you, because you're, you're telling a true story, it's your story and you can like have some fun with it. And that, and that's kind of like been my, my whole deal here with, with, with this role. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, man. And thank you for sharing all this stuff. Um, 
especially for the surprise questions and like the tattoos and stuff, because that wasn't planned out. Um, if people have follow-up questions and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to find you? I would say the best way to reach out to me is uh, at linkedin.com uh, forward slash uh, Merchi Sadek dash Reyes. Which I will include a link to, so you don't have to try to spell that for everybody. <laughs> yes, yes. That's the best place. Definitely reach out. Um, I'm happy, you know, for anyone that's kind of on the journey and, uh, you know, has questions, please connect with me. I'm, I'm happy to help and, and, and in any way I can and guide. Yep. Cool. Thanks, man. This was great. I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. I, I had a great time. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come out and, and, and have a, a discussion with you, Dave. I'm glad we finally got to knock yeah, it out. <laughs> me too. Thanks. 